church as your people God well there's so many other things that sometimes get our attention God but Lord we're here to declare Lord that nothing else will satisfy nothing else will fully do God that you're our first love that you are plan a and I just declare Lord just prophetically as we sing that song nothing else will do God that that literally plan B's would be destroyed today other options and other doors and other avenues and other thoughts and second guessing and Lord that would just go today Nothing else would do, God. But we're your people. We come back to a first love, God. Lord, everything that we've planned or come up with or strategized, apart from you, it's nothing. And so we just we just declare that nothing else but you, God. Even if. Everything's going in one direction. We're going to go your direction. We give you honor and praise and glory today. And we declare that nothing else will do. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God praise if you believe that nothing else. Come on, give him your best praise if you believe he's the all in all. If he's everything. If he's plan A. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, it is good to be in the house of God. Before you grab your seat, come on, give it up for this worship team. They are not... They're not performing. They're up here bringing God's presence. And then as you grab your seat, look at somebody and say, it's a miracle you're here today. Come on, you know, you know where you used to be on Sunday morning, hung over from the bar and stuck in addiction and not thinking anything about God. Come on, it's a miracle you're alive, right? Aren't you glad to be here? Somebody, I mean, my goodness, I know I couldn't have got myself out of all the de- things that I was involved in. And uh, God is good, and he is a deliverer, and nothing else will do. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that it's him and all him, and nothing else really satisfies or, uh, or gives us what we need in this, in this life. Um, we are uh, at Transformation Church, everybody. Come on, good morning. I, uh, I have um, just, it's an honor to hang out and get to be with you today in, in the house of God in God's presence and um, just some cool stories that have been happening. Uh, I talked with a young lady. She's been coming to our church for about three months and she told me the other day, uh, she said, when I walked in this church um, for the first time, I, 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 was, I was coming here several times and, and literally she said it was a different environment. It was, it was friendly, but it was refreshing. And she said, I could actually breathe again for the first time. Come on. Thank you for in, in, you know, creating that kind of environment by with God in you and just welcoming people. And um, I just think it's cool to be in a house where, come on, life sometimes can be suffocating, right? And uh, we need a safe place to breathe again sometimes and just to receive God's word. And so that was awesome. And then um, I heard a story. We had our one night, which is our student uh, once a month. It's called One Night. Our, our student ministry is called uh, TY, Transformation Youth. And we have a one night once a month where they all come together. And it's a big evangelistic night and reaching friends. And they've got they had a pool of ramen noodles they were swimming in and winning money and stuff like that. We make it fun. Come on, church should be fun. And um, and so uh, we had 17 guests at that and seven fresh starts of young people saying yes to, yes to Jesus. Man, I, so 
again, th- thank you for, for believing in a church that's multicultural, multigenerational. And, and thank you for making it more, more than your preference. Come on, when we say, you know, it's about Jesus and about others, what we're saying is it's not about my preference. It's about God and, his, and what he has in his presence. And so sometimes we can get stuck on preference um, over what God is doing. And so thank you for not just, you know, digging in on your, if it's only about your preference and, you know, we'd still be back in, you know, in the 80s or in the 70s or, you know, whatever, you know, when it's about the next gen and looking forward, we can build an environment that's refreshing and it's full of, full of God like that. So thank you. Um, we have Next Steps starting next week. Um, next Steps, if you're new to our community, every month, the first Sunday of the month, we do a visions and values kind of collection of talks at our cafe at the building behind this building. And uh, it's a couple hours. If you're interested in finding Finding out about our vision, getting plugged in, jumping on a team. We'd love you to go to that and check that out and um, just be a part of that. I think it's a great uh, place to figure out if this is the church for you. And then, again, connect groups are going right now. Hear me. You cannot get all God has for you in a row. You need to be in a circle. Rows don't work. Rows work for this environment, but it will not grow you into the thing God wants you to be in. Circles. Come on, you remember the Revolutionary War? Everybody's getting shot down in rows, getting mowed down. And they're like, we think we need to change the strategy. <laughs> Let's become like commandos and get in the woods and circle up. That's the kingdom of God, right? And so um, connect groups are just our circles that we meet together throughout the week. We have like 65 groups going. And so if you, if you don't like one, you can try another. Just try them out. Find one. Find your group. Find your people. If you find your people, you find your freedom, I'm telling you. And um, so I encourage you to get plugged in into that. And then we are starting a, a fast. We're going to do a, a seven-day. Come on, somebody. Everybody does 21-day fast. We get it done in seven. We're holy. And... Uh, um, we're going to, we're going to, and we don't, everybody's, a lot of churches do it in the fall and we do that sometimes, you know, but we just don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I just felt from the Lord, we needed to do a fast as a church. And so we're going to start at October 13th all together on Sunday. And then we're going to do 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. prayer that whole entire week. And then on the 20th, we're going to culminate uh, that fast here on Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. with worship all together. So we invite you to that. If you're interested or hungry to get involved in that fast, we'd love to have you and be a part of that. So... Hungry, no pun intended. Uh, hungry to fast. That's, that's a word. Um, all right, so we're going to jump into this part of our series, Won't Conform. We've been in a, a collection of talks just about not conforming to the world and to the patterns of the world. And Paul told us in Romans um, that we should not conform, but we'd be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He wouldn't have said that if we didn't have a tendency to conform. If it wasn't in our nature to conform to how everything else is going or the patterns of the world. And so we have to be intentional and aggressive with actually transforming um, and, and getting the word of God in us and changing the way we think, changing our mind and letting that word change us. The, really, the only change agent in the planet is the word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's it. There's no other way to change long term except the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And so um, we're looking at that series. And today I'm going to deal with some topics fire away topics where you guys said on a survey, I'd be interested in hearing about not conforming in this area or what the Bible has to say about that. So I've got about five areas. I might not get to all of them. I went over about 10 minutes uh, first service and everybody ran out early on me while I'm doing the most holy altar call moment. And I'm trying to make you all feel guilty right now because y'all are going to probably try to do that. And I hope that when the kingdom of heaven is at stake, you wouldn't get up and run out to lunch. Okay, come on somebody. <laughs> Here, here's the topics, uh, here's the thoughts that uh, we, we have on uh, just 
on, on not conforming. You said five things. The first thing you wanted to know about in conforming or not conforming is, is discovering the purpose of God in my life. How do I discover the purpose of God? And so I think um, the key to that phrase, discovering the purpose of God, is the word discovering. Um, the way we conform is uh, we try to find the purpose of God. We're in a society that wants to have notoriety, success, promotion, networking, everything that we can do to get to where we want to be in the purpose uh, that we want. And so we try to find it. We try to look for the purpose of God outside of ourselves. The word discovering means it's actually in you. The purpose of God is already built into, inside of you. Your purpose is in you. And so if you actually want to discover your purpose, you have to discover it inside of you. You have to know how you are more, how you're made, your values, your, your life, your history, your triggers, and the things that make up who you are. The problem is many times we look outside of ourselves. Purpose resides in you. Figure out your likes, your dislikes, what suits you, and then you can look at your life and go, is this my purpose? Is it, if you hate your life, <laughs> it's probably not your purpose, Right? I remember years ago, uh, I wanted to go do something, and I was worried about it being God's purpose for my life. And uh, someone in my life said, well, God's the master changer of hearts. And so, so if, if, he's the, if, it's, if you're in it and you hate it, well, then he's either going to change your heart to love it, or he's going to change your heart to leave it. And sometimes we get stuck going, okay, it, it, it's, just, it's, more, it's, it's more complicated, but it's really not. It's like it's inside of you. And so uh, here's some thoughts. Don't stop where you are as if it were your destination right now. Keep going. This, the thing you're in might be the transportation that takes you to your destiny. And so many times we stop and we don't like what we're doing. We're like, we're just going to stop here and sit here. If you go to Knoxville Airport, there's about seven gates, you know. You don't have to go far, right? You're mad if there's a little line of 10 minutes. But, but if you go to Atlanta or, or Miami or a bigger airport, you've got so many, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I land in gate A and have to go to gate L. You know, I got to take a train, an Uber, a plane, a small plane. You know, the, the, lar the larger the airport, the larger the connectors that have to be to get to where I need to go, right? The larger your purpose, the more connections or trains or, or stops might be along the way. Don't just sit down and stop in the destination you are now thinking this is my destination. It might be just transportation to get you to where you need to go. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, I just, I think it's important. Um, you, you need to make sure that you don't give in to other voices when it comes to your purpose. Don't contort yourself to what others say. Let God be the one and you the one that is called to a certain purpose. I think it's important. The fastest way to lose yourself is to listen to what everybody else thinks you should do. And, and so I was in my, my teenager, my daughter, I went to pick her up from school last week. She was faking a headache. She's not in here, I hope. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she wasn't. She was not feeling good. And, um, and so uh, I went to pick her up. There was a young senior. His mom was the admin assistant, and he was talking about what he was going to study. And so he's like, I'm going to study nutrition, mom. I'm, I think I'm going to go and start studying nutrition in college. And she was like, well, honey, um, you wanted to be a doctor, right? And so I don't think you can do nutrition. If you're, if you're going to be a doctor, you can't study nutrition. And you just saw the tension hit the room. I'm like, it's on, yes. My family's not the only one that fights in public. This is going to be good, you know. <laughs> he's like, mom. Mom, I, I can study nutrition. She's like, honey, no, you, you just want me to do biomedical, mom. You just want me to do what you want. I mean, this, he was snapping right there. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Jerry Springer, I'm just getting my daughter. This is great. 
You know, I mean, the, the anger and the, and the trigger in him when he sensed or felt like, I mean, his mom had his best, best interest in mind, but he sensed that she was trying to control and say what he needed to do. He wanted to study nutrition. You know, you're going to get frustrated when you listen to what everybody else says you need to do when it comes to your purpose. Uh, four, very simple one. If it drains you, take the necessary steps to move on. I, I know it's going to cost you. I know you've gone to school for that. I, I know you've changed your major seven times. I know. It took me five years to get out of college. You know what I'm saying? And that wasn't law school. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just, but it's going to cost you. It's going to, it's going to take some, some digging in. It's going to take some, sac- but if it drains you, if you hate it, like, like if there's no passion, listen to this, passion leads to true purpose. Passion and purpose are connected at the hip, like they walk hand in hand to destiny. If you, and I don't mean you had a bad day and you don't like your boss and so you're just going to jump from job to job. But like if, you aren't, if there's no passion inside of you for it, then don't do it. Like move to, This is simple stuff, but when it comes to purpose, like just don't do something you're not passionate about. I don't do a lot of counseling as a pastor. I don't counsel people. Like, like people go, well, you, you're the pastor. You should do counseling. You don't want me counseling you. I promise. I'm not good at it. I'm a talker, not a listener. <laughs> I talk for a living. I'm not good at it. Now, that does, I'm not giving myself a pass not to become a listener, not to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger. I'm not, I'm not giving myself a pass on that, but you don't want me doing it professionally for you. <laughs> you know, I, I just, my wife, she, you know, we're working on that. She's helping me try. Listen, like it's been 18 years. She's listen. Come on, man. You know, I'm going to help you. You know, I've told you before, you know, the best thing that can happen for your intimacy life is for you guys to say, and what happened next? (laughs) What happened next? Talking about your intimacy will go to a whole nother level. Listen, I'm I'm not passionate about counseling. We have a great care team. You know what I say when people say, well, pastor, can he counsel me? I I say, and and our team says, there are people that do that better than him. I'm not insecure. There are people that do that better than me. They go to school for that. That's a calling. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, do something else. Does that make sense? Or find somebody that can do that. Um, Seven, get out of your comfort zone. If you're going to want to find your purpose, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Um, Salt of the earth is, is you and I. Salt does not stay in the salt shaker. Get out. Like, like explore. Figure out what it is you like. Here's a couple practical um, principles of some young boys in the Bible that found purpose. Number one, Samuel. Samuel found purpose. Samuel, from an infancy, was dedicated to the house of God. His mother gave him, Hannah gave him to the house of God, to serve in the house of God. From zero to ten, he served in God's house. His job was to light the candles and keep it burning day and night. All hell was breaking loose in the kingdom at that time and in the house of God, in the church. The pastor's sons were sleeping with all the girls, stealing the, stealing the food, and the dad and the sons were getting fat on that and eating the food, robbing the people, and, and the boys were, were abusing their power, Hophni and, and Phinehas. And so here's a young boy named Samuel serving in the midst of chaos. And he could have had every reason, legitimate reason, to run back to his mom and dad to say, there's messed up stuff in the house of God. I'm getting out of here. But he didn't. He stayed faithful when nothing was fruitful. Listen, if if you want to see purpose in your life, you have to stay faithful when you don't see anything fruitful. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And so Samuel is serving day and night, day and night, day and night. He heard the voice of God. He was a 
12-year-old boy that was responsible eventually as the purpose of a prophet to transition the nation of Israel from a theocracy to a monarchy and instill the greatest dynasty the planet's ever seen, the Davidic dynasty that Jesus Christ, our Savior, came out of. A 12-year-old boy did that because he heard the word of God. Why did he hear the word of God and get that identity and that purpose? Because he was serving in the house. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like get, you know, twist your arm to get you serving in some role. I'd love you to, but I'm just telling you what, what I did when I came into the kingdom. I went from hell and chaos and addiction to the house of God. And what I do, I joined three connect groups. I became a greeter. I went to prison on Tuesdays and preached and loved on guys because I should have been there myself. I went on mission trips. I did everything, not because I was a pastor, because I knew my purpose was connected to the house of God. This is important. We, we discover our purpose through serving God, not studying God. And so there's a real fine balance between thinking that we're good and discovering our purpose through study and study and study and study and study and studying study theology, 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 theology. Theology is just the theory of God. But, but the presence of God and serving God and doing God's word. I'm not saying don't study the Bible, but do the Bible after you've studied the Bible. Does that make sense? And so I think that's a key to discovering purpose. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness, and, and I think you serve your way into it. David, um, the second young man, you know, he was anointed king at 15 years old, got oil poured all over him. He was abused in his family by his brothers. I mean, think about this. King David, he was, he was abused. I mean, at least emotionally, he was left out in the field. The, the God comes and says, where are your sons? They don't even bring David up. They don't even mention the kid. Like his dad doesn't even mention him. They're like, and then the prophet's like, don't you have any other boys? He's like, well, there's the runt, the ruddy, the redhead, ruddy, you know, kid out in the field. Like, he's with the sheep. You want us to bring him in? They're like, go get him. And then comes David, right? And they anoint him with oil. And after he's anointed, what does he do? He goes right back out to the sheep field, right back out to the mess. You and I, we'd have been like, we king now. Come on, somebody's making me some pancakes. I'm getting up out of this field. I'm king, you know. Smell this oil on me. This is anointing, you know. This is gifting. You know, you, we, we would have been like, that's not what David did. He went right back out to the field. It is easier for God to find you being faithful in the field than fighting for favor in the palace. Come on, some, some of y'all... Are, are thinking God can't find you in the field. You're like, man, why am I in this field? Why am I out here? I'm called to be king. I'm called to be a businessman. I'm called to be this. I'm called to be this. I'm called to, to success here. I'm called to purpose in God. But I got all this oil on me by God. I know I've got a calling. Why am I in the field? Because he's turning you from a shepherd into a king. It takes time. It takes character. It takes, it takes battles. It takes, and then all of a sudden David goes to the field. God, please, this is a word for somebody. God can find you in the field. Quit trying to promote yourself to the palace. God's better at finding us in the field. Favor finds the faithful. So I think those are just some thoughts about, I'm kind of preaching, I'm passionate about that, but, but um, those are some thoughts about purpose. that help you? I think serve your way into it. You know, figure out what's inside of you. Discover, and if you don't know, we'll keep serving, and God will show you and direct you. It's on the king to direct the path of the heart and the waters of the heart. God does that. He steers the heart, and so let God do that. The second thing you want to hear about was stress and burnout. Come on, this hits all of us, man, Um, and I I may just say this, like when it comes to me and my family, and I'm going to talk about family in a minute, like we don't wear halos and put on, you know, you know, white garments and sing how great thou art, you know, when things break out in our home. Like, Like we're dealing with the same issues that you guys are dealing with, and so 
I think stress and burnout, this is a heavy one for me um, because of what I do, and I'll explain to that to you in a minute. Genesis 2, 2 through 3 says this, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. Think about this. God, all-powerful, all-sufficient, all-knowing, everything, everything's in God, every resource, and he had to rest. Like, he, he didn't have to. Why does it say that? He didn't have to. He wasn't tired. Like, why did he rest? It's because he was giving you and I a model for life. He wanted us to imitate him in this. And so, as he said, listen, I rest. I mean, he didn't rest his voice. He created with his voice. He said and he saw. He said, I mean, how did he rest? He was instilling this rest for our sake, not his own. And so, if you want to avoid burnout, you need to figure out and understand what biblical rest is. And I'm still working on this in my own life, biblical rest. And, and different things kind of refresh or rest different, different ones of us. And so, like, uh, you know, my wife, she, she likes to rest by different ways. She likes gardening. She'll, she'll garden. God forbid. Like, I, please deliver me from the garden. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, I, and I'm not, I like to get that kind of stuff done. She likes yard work, gives her rest. Like, I'm going to zip through that and go do something fun. And she's upset, like, we're not bonding over that. You know, I'm like, this is terrible. She likes to go, I went biking. She likes biking. Went biking on her birthday last week. And uh, we did the Virginia Creeper, three and a half hours downhill, somebody. That little gel seat ain't helping me. I don't got enough padding. Like, that is not rest for me. Like, I... It was, I mean, I did it out of love. It was a labor of love, not rest. She was rest and refreshed from that. Antiquing. She likes to go look at dusty, dead stuff that's very expensive. It's not rest. Rest, rest for me. Sex, golf, movies, and umbrella drinks on the beach. It's fun. Hopefully all in the same day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> She's just looking at me. It's going to be a long time before I get one of those, I think. But she, the, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't get it. That look, that look I'm getting. I'm just being real. I'm just saying, like, there's different things that rest different ones of us. And so some of y'all are burnt out. You're burnt out because you're living on monster energy drinks, you know, quad shots at Starbucks, five, you know, five-hour energies. You're burnt out because you don't understand biblical rest. In Exodus, he says this, that he introduces the Sabbath, and he says, this is rest, the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath, listen to me, to bless you. This, if this is your Sabbath day, for me, Sunday's not my Sabbath day. I'm up here, I'm working, I'm doing, Monday's my Sabbath day. But my problem is, I usually will just unplug and rest, but I don't plug into God. And so I'm just as tired as I was. Now, I'm studying the Bible, and as a pastor, it's dangerous because I can get in the Word and do all this for what I'm doing now. But when, I, when it comes to my day of rest, I unplug, but don't plug into God. And I have to intentionally make myself go plug into other pastors and other word and listen to, the, to other teachers and get that in me for me. And if I don't do that, I begin to get drained and I'm not rested. God created the Sabbath to bless you. Look what he said. And God blessed the seventh day. He doesn't bless any other days in Exodus. He says, and he made the seventh day and blessed it. Hear me, when you honor the seventh day, the day he blessed, there's a blessing attached to that day. When you decide to honor that day and rest, unplug from other stuff and plug into God like you're doing today, there's a blessing that infuses into your life. 
Why do we do church? It's, it's not just to do church. There's actually a blessing, I believe, that God says on the Sabbath day, and I bless that day. It's holy, and as we remember it, we get the benefits of that blessing. So you can, you can say it like this, rest and be blessed. Don't rest and be stressed. Come on, you know when your kids are going crazy and you can't figure it out sometimes, and finally you're like, oh, they're tired. You know, sometimes we're like going crazy, and God's like, you're tired, you know? And, and we have to recognize and unplug. Exodus 20 said this, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest. Listen, dedicated to the Lord your God. Dedicated to the Lord your God. Not dedicated to NFL. Not dedicated to how fast can I get through this church experience and get to lunch in the NFL. Not dedicated to how fast can I get to my boat. Not dedicated to how fast. Listen to me. I'm not saying anything's wrong with the boat. I love going on the boat. I, I love the NFL. I'm going to probably watch some games today. But what is it dedicated to? Have we intentionally like said, God, I'm going to plug into you and actually get refreshed. Some of you can sit through worship the whole time. And you, like we said today, sorry, I'm just singing another song. But some of you, you can actually say, this is dedicated to you right now. And in doing that, it begins to refresh your life and breathe into your life in a powerful way. It's not just to sing songs. Um, and again, here, please hear me. It's not legalistic thing like Sunday's the day. Now, Monday's my day. Some people are like, Saturday's got to be the day. No, it's, this is not a... Rest is not a legal, a performance issue. It's a position issue. You know, it's not about performing a certain duty. It's about, am I positioned in God to receive what God has for me? Does that make sense? Last one on that, Exodus 31, 17. He says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Come on, God was refreshed. That word refreshed is like to cool off from the heat of the day, to catch your breath. How many of you need to, come on, I love what the young lady told me. I came in here and I could breathe again for the first time. How many of you need to catch your breath? Life is hot. You ever go to the beach or work out in the field or do anything like that and, and, and you're hot all day at the pool and you just, you just zap and you go take a nap and you're going to try to get refreshing, you take a nap and you wake up groggier than before. You're like, just like, oh, you can't see, your face is all swollen, been in the sun. You're like, ah, oh, you can't, you know, anybody, what do you do? You got to go get some organic lemonade. You get a little sandwich. Come on, mine used to be a roast beef, uh, you know, whole wheat, lettuce, tomato. I went vegan now. It's just lettuce, tomato and a lot of regret and... <laughs> And I'm just, I feel better, but like, I don't, you know, but you eat, you feed your soul, you, you, you kind of get refreshed, you're not groggy any longer. Many of you are trying to check out and rest on God, but you're not intentionally refreshing and feeding your soul on God. God's the lemonade for your soul. Like, you can just refresh. You can nap all you want, but if you're not plugging into him, there's no refreshing. Refreshing comes from the presence of God. It's a byproduct. And so I think that's important. The third thing you guys um, wanted to hear about was family. And uh, I know I'm going fast through these. I got five of them, and so I'm trying to hit all of them. And uh, if this is helping you, say, yep, it's helping me. All right. If you want me to slow down, say, uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Somebody said, yep. Mixed opinions there. Family. Uh, I think this principle works across anything, but I think it's important in our families. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, I think it's important. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So it's a tendency to conform to hungering for other things than God. We sang it this morning, God, you're everything. It's a tendency, easy for us to want and hunger for other things. We all, because there's so many things we have an option in. And so the Bible says, if we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is Christ, then we shall be filled. Your job and my job is to hunger and thirst. It's God's job to fill. That's it. 
And so we can't control anything except what we hunger and thirst for. So I'd ask you, what is your family hunger and thirst for? I'm in the same wrestling match right now with my family with videos and social media and YouTubes and, and my kids and app times. and all. I mean, we're wrestling. Like, what do we hunger for? And so, you know, whatever you, hung, whatever you hunger for is going to fill you. And, and so you could ask your family, what are you hungry for? Is it time? Is it promotion? Is it success? Is it a bigger house? Is it, what are we hungering for? And um, if you want to change your appetite, you've got to actually get some discipline and decide I'm going to change the appetites in my life. I went to vegan and it wasn't easy. And, I, uh, you know, and, but when I go back and mess up and eat something else now, it's very disgust. I can't stand it. And my body doesn't feel right and I'm not filled and I don't feel good. And so I've changed my appetite. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to change some appetites if I want to see uh, my family or my personal life hunger for the right things. Um, do you hunger for comfort? Do you hunger for fun? Do you hunger for image or popularity? I don't know. Um, you know, hey, my child is the number one synchronized underwater breath-holding champion in the Southeast. Praise God, you know. Woo, we just joined the traveling team, you know. That's not, do you, you know what I'm saying? Do you hunger for that? Like, he's four, and he's the best synchronized swimmer on the planet. Yes! Like, so many of you, I'm telling you, like, you hunger for things, um, and they draw you away from the things of God, and you'll travel, and you'll go, and you'll hunger, and, and, and you just have to ask yourself, like, what am I really hungering for? And what does it look like in our family? I, I don't know what, I can't answer that for you. I can only answer that for my family and us. And so I think it's important. Here's some things that you need to write down. Whatever appetite you feed grows. My child is not the underwater synchronized breath holding champion. Some of y'all looked at me like that was a real thing. I made that up. Awesome. Here's what, here's what doesn't work. Legalistic Christianity. It will not work in your home. It will not work in your marriage. It will not work with your children. Legalistic Christianity is, is all behavior modification. It's all external. It's not internal. I think you have to give your family and your children a safe place um, to where they, they don't belong because they behave. Uh, for me and my kids, they mess up all the time. I'm never mad at my kids. Now, I do act mad sometimes, but I always say with my language, I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed in your actions. I don't like your behavior, but I, do, I try to do a job of separating behavior from identity. Does that make place? Make sense? That I, I separate who they are from what they're doing, and I communicate such. Now, I have to make sure my heart, my attitude, my, my emotions aren't doing that as well, but I, I think legalistic Christianity will only get you so far for so long. If you, you've got to get to the heart of your spouse. It takes more time, more talk, more questions, more communication, more tears, more effort, but you've got to get to the heart of it. And um, you, can, you can cast edicts and rules, but they, they won't work. And then the second thing that doesn't work is, is lukewarm Christianity. I mean, you, you can't just say you're a Christian and not live like it. And let me say this to you, young people. Don't marry a Christian. Marry someone who's Christ-centered. Come on, everybody says they're a Christian, but not everybody is Christ-centered. Where Christ is the center of their life, center of their home, center of their identity, and, and that's who we're called to be, Christ-centered people. Our homes are called to be Christ-centered. Um, very simple thought on how to create a, this kind of environment in our family. Help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. Loving, approachable, and involved. God is loving. Come on, God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. I'm not mad at my kids. I'm madly in love with them. Come on, God is not mad. So many of us have taken on this image of God being mad and edicts and rules and, and we can't breathe under that and it's heavy. Man, always let your, your family know that God is lovable by how you love them too. God's approachable. Come on, many of us have created environments in our home that no one can approach us. Come on, what do people get when they approach you? The Bible says that we approach the throne of grace to receive mercy in time of need. 
My wife has to help me here. My kids approach me or my wife approaches me. Sometimes they don't receive mercy. They receive judgment or they receive truth or they receive correction or they receive advice. They, it might be the throne of, of, of judgment where you get advice. Come on, somebody. I must be stepping on people's toes today because y'all are quiet up in here. I think, I think we need to make our families be able to approach us and people approach us and they can get mercy. Come on, we have to broaden our, we have to broaden our mercy and narrow our message to Jesus. Does that make sense? And then the last one, you know, show people that God's involved. Like, like, check back in, you know. We have to tell ourselves it's easy to get uninvolved in our families and in our, in our lives and in our closest people and take for granted those around. We got to figure out creative ways. Come on, my wife and I, I'm, I'm going to brag on myself for a minute. We went biking three hours. Like, it was her birthday. Surprised her. Told her to drop everything the day before. I'm taking you somewhere, you know. We're going, we went to the Virginia Creeper. She's been talking about it for a while. It, it, any, anyway, like, just get back involved. God wants to be involved in your day-to-day. And when you model that in your home, it lets people know, man, God's actually involved in my life. But when you're absent and abandoned, they go, man, this must be the God of, of my life. You know, it, it paints that picture. And so hunger and thirst for Jesus in our families. Time's up. Let's go home. <laughs> eight minutes, man. Turn that timer off. Uh, number four, uh, hope. Hope is this. Um, you guys asked about hope uh, and what, what, what does it look like for hope. It's easy to conform to having no hope. Come on. When it comes to culture, life, comes to bills, money, marriage, all, it's easy to go, man, there's no hope. And I, I, the simple answer, here, here's a definition for hope, a loss of confidence that future events or occurrences will be positive. Many of us walk around with no hope when it comes to our future and what it looks like for our future. And the very definition of Christ is hope. He, he is our hope. And so it might be cliche today, but the reality is Christ is your hope anchor. Like if you want hope and you don't want to conform and you don't want to get drifted and pulled away, you've got to find that anchor in Christ and in him alone. David does it in Psalm 42. Uh, he's facing loss of all of his money. His son is trying to steal the kingdom of God from the kingdom from him. Um, he's on the run. And he has this moment that we get to see, and it's like this schizophrenic prayer, and many of us have had this time. And in Psalm 42, 11, David says, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? It's like there's no hope. Like he's talking to his soul. He's questioning his feelings, and he's just in this turmoil. It's like, what's going on? And then it's like this shift. He says, hope in God. It's like this weird statement. Like it's a still small voice inside of David. It's this command to himself. Why are you so downcast? Why is this going on in my life? Like, what's happening? I have no hope. I don't know about the future. He's like, hope in God. It's like schizophrenic for a moment. And he's just, hope in God. Like, he's commanding himself. Sometimes you've got to talk and command your soul with the word of God. And there's storms in life. And God, I don't know if I can, I don't know what to hope in. And like, wait a minute, hope in God. You can hope in you, God. And you know, the most powerful way to hear God's word is from your own mouth. Like you begin to say it with your own mouth. David's declaring it with his own mouth. It's so easy to get away and drift away from our first love or from our marriages or from our, our kids or our families. And like we got to begin to say, okay, wait, I'm not going to be hopeless. I've got hope. Hebrews 6.19 says we have a hope that's an anchor to our soul. The emblem of hope is an anchor. Actually, the real emblem of hope is an anchor. When do, you, when do you find the anchor? In the storm? No, you secure the anchor before you set sail. Okay. And when we find that anchor and we know it's in Christ and we say he's our hope when storms are blowing. And, and you know the thing why some of you don't feel like you see God right now? 
Do you know that you don't, you don't see an anchor when it's in use? It's under the water. It's holding you from the, from the bottom up. It's holding you from the foundation. You can't, you're going, wow, I can't see you, God. And I feel like there's waves in the storm. He's like, I'm the anchor. I've got the boat held right here. We're in the same spot. I got you covered. I got a hope in Jesus. Hope has a name. It's Jesus. Like they asked the little boy, he's flying the kite. The kite's above the clouds. They said, how do you know there's a kite up there? He goes, I can feel the tug. I can feel the pull. Like, you might not be able to see him, but you can sure feel the pull and the tug and the small voice and the hope that's in him. You wouldn't be here today if you, if you didn't feel that. And so I would encourage you, man, put your hope in Jesus. And the last one, I think this is probably the most important one, is identity. You, you asked in the, this order, actually, of, of percentages, but I think identity is probably the most important. And here's what we have a tendency to conform to. I am what I do. Whether it's job, behavior, you know, how we act, what, it's a performance identity. And, and we can conform to that easily. I am what I do, but we're not going to conform. Karma is, worldly is, uh, the ABCs of the universe is do good, get good, do bad, get bad. That's not the gospel. The gospel is do bad and get good that you didn't deserve anything. And Jesus died not for you, but as you. Jesus died as you. And, and here, here's what you need to know with identity. There's a spirit in the world combating you and I, and we all deal with it. It's called the spirit of an orphan. We were adopted in Galatians. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you were adopted as a son or daughter of God. And now you're a son or daughter, but there's still a spirit of orphan that's attacking sons and daughters every day. It entered into the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were sons and daughters of God. They were born that way by God. Listen to me. Being a son or daughter does not have to do with behavior. It has to do with birth. Come on, some of you think being a son or daughter of God is all about your behavior. No, it's about your birth. Jesus Christ died as you so you could be born into the kingdom. Now you're a son or daughter. When the enemy came to Adam and Eve and tempted Adam and Eve and they fell, they fell from sons and daughters. They were sons and daughters and now they fell into a striving orphan mentality. And they began to have to strive. You and I, based on life and issues and family and fathers and, and all the different issues of life, we can fight this same orphan spirit and the enemy comes after it with us like he did Jesus. He went to Jesus in the garden and he says, if you are a son, turn these stones to bread. If you are a son, perform and prove that you're like your dad. He already was like his dad. He was born that way. You already are like your father. And the spirit that enters in with us, that it did with Adam and Eve to strive, we begin to take on the responsibility of the father as an orphan. And now we're responsible for our own protection, our own provision, and our own promotion. And if we have to be responsible for our own protection, fear enters in. If we have to be responsible for our own uh, um, provision, then selfish ambition and pride enter in. And if we have to be responsible for our promotion, worry enters in. And so this spirit is attacking us. And, and I want to end with this, and I, I don't know any other way to, to help you in this. The spirit of an orphan, we're going to put it up on the screen. If you would put it up on the screen for me, there's a, two different spirits right now that are combating you every day. I'm just telling you, they combat me. As a son of God, they combat me every day. It's because I'm standing here sharing with you. I'm giving you my real. I had seven marriages between my mom and dad. My dad wasn't always there. Didn't have a normal upbringing. I got half brothers, half sisters, half aunts, half uncles, step this, step that. I have people, I don't even know who they are. I'm like, who are they? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and this, hello, still got two minutes left. 
Somebody's trying to get me to shut up quick today. This, 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 this is the spirit that combats us. And I, and I think the only way to solve it, you can't, hear me, you cannot counsel this. You cannot psychoanalyze this. You cannot cast this out. Hear me. The only way to handle this is to meet your father. Is to know God more and more. Is to actually allow the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Jesus came, gave you the Holy Spirit to introduce us more and more and more to our father. And all of a sudden now we begin to trust him and go, okay, wait a minute. Did you see some of those? Put those back up. I want to pray for you. Many of us deal with this. I belong and I can be myself. I don't have to perform to be loved. I'm a son or daughter. I have a home. Father knows me better than I know myself and he loves me. Because I'm a son, I have an inheritance from my father. Because I have that inheritance, I can relax. I value love and life and relationships over knowledge. Come on, some of you, me included, we want to be right. We want to put it all on Facebook. We want to tell her that we're right. We're gonna, but you don't value love and the relationships. You'd rather be right than have the relationship. But, 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 but. But a son says, no, I value the relationship. I'll speak the truth in love and only, and, and, and only when it's appropriate to do so. Come on, an orphan, I'll tell you the truth and accept no responsibility about whether it should be said or not. I'll justify my judgment. I'll say whatever I want. I rely upon my father and say only and do only what my father tells me to do. I rely on my own gifts and talents. Come on, this, this spirit that tries to pull at us, this is the spirit that we have to inter- be introduced to God with and know him more and more and more. And, and I'll tell you this, if you'd stand with me, the last thought is I pray for you. Some of you need to know that you're adopted as a son or daughter. And today I, I pray that you would, by the Holy Spirit power, leave here and meet God as dad, as dad. There's, a, there's so many other titles, but can I tell you the greatest title is dad? My kids sometimes try to call me by my first name. Like, what's up, Jamie? My kid. My oldest does it a lot now. I'm like, listen to me. Everybody else in the world can call me that, but only you three can call me dad. Come on, that's a special title. Like, like come on, some of y'all need to know God is dad today. Like never before. And Galatians says you've been adopted as sons and daughters. You know adoption is so special because it's a relationship not based on obligation, but choice. Come on, you've been adopted. You don't have to strive, worry, fret, protect yourself, promote yourself, pr- provide for yourself. And God's just saying, let me be your dad. Those are the areas I think that we can form in a lot and you asked about. I hope that helped you today. And uh, we're going to start a series on the Holy Spirit next week. It's going to be called Side Effects. We're going to look at the side effects of the Holy Spirit. So I'd encourage you to be here and bring some friends and family. And uh, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it's not by might or strength or power that we're changed. It's by you, by your spirit. Holy Spirit, please empower the words I spoke today. Empower the verses. Empower the word. Whatever you want to let land in our hearts and change us, please do so, Holy Spirit. Show us Jesus more clearly so that we can know the Father more clearly. Lord, I pray that you'd introduce God as dad today. Not, not, maybe not just God and, and ruler and leader and Lord and all powerful and omnipresent and not all that. Just as dad. Right now, I pray the spirit of, of this dad comes over us, God, that, that the, 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 the striving spirit would leave, the orphan spirit would actually leave, and we'd be introduced more and more and more to you as our father, a good dad. If you're in this place, no one looking around, but you'd say, you know what? I've been striving. I've been fighting. I've been fearing. I've been kind of fretting, promoting. I, I just, I've been in my own kind of, I didn't know it, but maybe I've just been kind of an orphan spirit trying to make my own way, promote myself. And I'm ready to just, just to say, you know what? Be dad, God. Lead my life. 
I trust you. I'm tired of striving. If that's you, no one's looking around. Just slip your hand up to me and let me pray for you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm tired of striving. Come on, I see that. I see that. Come on, hands in the room. I know there's more people that are striving. I know that. I know you might be nervous to put your hand up, but I'm going to pray for you anyway. Father, every hand that went up and every hand that didn't, we, we constantly battle a striving mentality versus resting in you as dad. So today I pray that you would make yourself known in such a greater way as our father, as a good father. And we don't have to perform to be like you. We already are like you. We don't belong because we behave. We belong because we're your kids through Jesus Christ. We give you glory and honor today. One last thing. If you're here and, and you know you've not been born as a son or daughter, you've never given your life to Jesus, you've been striving and you didn't even, maybe someone invited you here today and you didn't even realize that you, it was Jesus you needed, but you're ready to surrender your life. Maybe you need to become a Christian today or maybe you've kind of drifted from that anchor of Jesus. He's the hope and you're ready to come back to him today. The Bible says this, if you would surrender your life to Jesus, not religion, not rules, not denomination, not giving the church money, none of that stuff. If you would surrender, not to performance, but just giving your life to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, take my life. Be the leader and Lord of my life. If you would trust that he died on a cross and rose from the dead, you get a fresh start in God. Some of you might need that today. I'm going to count to three in a second. If that's you, if you'd say, I need a fresh start. I, I want to be a son or daughter of God. I'm ready to surrender and give God control of my life. I want, you, I want you to raise your hand to me on three. One, two, three. Would you put your hand up right now? Pray for me, Pastor. I need to surrender today to Jesus Christ. I want to make a fresh start. God bless you, young man. Come on, thank you for your boldness. Come on, God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I need a fresh start in God today. Awesome. Come on, church, let's pray together. If you put your hand up, just pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can pray your own prayer right there in your seat. There's no magic in the words, but the Holy Spirit right now is invading your heart, invading your life as you surrender your life to God. Father, we come to you in, in Jesus' name and we surrender our life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on that tree as me and for me. Remove all my sin and all my shame and all my guilt. I give it all to you right now at the cross. Thank you for allowing me to be a son or daughter, for adopting me into your kingdom by the cross, by your resurrection. I give you my life. Thank you for filling me with your life. In Jesus' name, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Amen. 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 Come on, give God praise right now. Several people saying yes to heaven in here. It's the greatest miracle that could happen. Thank you for your heart and your hunger, guys. I hope that helped you today.